They fell in love in a hopeless place. Not prison, Florida. Uh, I'm Nato Kitch, and tonight on the Gay Anarchist Show and Rock Cooking Association, we look at I Love You, Philip Morris, where Ewan McGregor can't escape Jim Carrey's love. But if you're needing an escape <clears throat> from prison, <clears throat> maybe my friends can help you with some helpful tips. First up, she accidentally ate the nail. She accidentally ate the nail file along with the cake. It's Amelia. Hi everyone, my name's Amelia, and if you want to escape prison like I did, all you need to do is just sneak out on laundry day. Nobody will find you in that hamper full of prison clothes. And I can be found at the Nefarious Navigator on Instagram. Just don't tell the feds where I am. <laughs> Next up, they say they're with me. Next up, they say they're a master of camouflage, but wait a second. Where the fuck did Rogo? What? Hi, it's me! Yeah. <laughs> Hi everybody, I'm Ro, and I got off simply because they couldn't figure out whether to put me in the men's or the women's prison. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at twitch.tv slash I'm kind of proud that none of y'all said masturbate more. That would have been my answer. Um, <laughs> let's get to the plot real fast. So if you don't want spoilers, it's time for you to escape from this episode. Is, is that too many escape jokes? I don't care. Uh, here we go. I Love You, Philip Morris follows Stephen J. Russell's story, a real person that really fell in love with the really real Philip Morris and really escaped from prison multiple times. The film tells the story not of... associated with the cigarette, Philip Morris, just to be clear. <laughs> the film tells the story of Stephen, played by Jim Carrey, during his early life, his coming out, his moving to Miami, his financial troubles, and his solution, which turned out to be illegal and landed, and landed him in jail. Fun fact, tax fraud. It's got fraud in the name. Um... <laughs> In prison is where he meets his soulmate, an Aryan twink named Philip Morris, played by the actor whose most famous role was summed up in the Weird Al song, The Saga Begins, and I quote, We met Jar Jar and Boss Nass, the hottest kept boy in Miami. It's Ewan McGregor! Okay. Um. <laughs> I think I just destroyed my recording. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just cut out. So, I don't know. As long as it recorded, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> but after he gets released and gets Philip released by posing as a lawyer, he can't escape his vice of conning people, and he's too smart for most people to catch on. Unfortunately, there's always someone smarter than you, and Stephen gets caught, followed by him trying to escape from prison repeatedly to reconnect with the love of his life, until he goes too far by faking his own death from AIDS to get Philip out of jail again, only to be caught by someone that knew him. <sighs> there's just... There's a lot of repetition and left turns in this movie so it's just like but the main thing you need to know is guy falls in love with other guy in prison guy does everything his power to try and get out of prison to be back with this guy after he's put back in prison i think that kind of sums it up in very simplistic terms um so or uh arian perfect twink falls in love with the con man 
As they are known to do. Uh, so, what were your thoughts and impressions? Um. So I very catch remember, me if you can. <laughs> I actually remember watching this movie back when it first came out. I feel like my impressions are pretty much the same if I remember them. Like it, it was like a fun little like quirky comedy movie, you know. Based on a true story that, I mean, honestly, reality is stranger than fiction, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, the fact that this is based on a true story kind of really sells it for me. Because it does kind of have this very stranger than fiction vibe, you know? Like... Yeah. (laughs) Could could one man really do all this kind of you know, like? Can you imagine Will Ferrell Im- in this role? <laughs> imagine, oh, just imagine for like a second. <laughs> I mean, like, I... <laughs> the dedication that it takes to fake your own death via AIDS is. I mean, like. If you do that, you deserve the Oscar. Or you deserve <laughs> lifetime in jail. Like It's true. One of the two. There is no Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> the first person to receive an Oscar from jail. Why 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 not, you know? <laughs> uh Why wasn't Bernie uh nominated for an Oscar so that could have been the situation? Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is actually, like, Burning came out uh, a few year, like, 2017, I think. Let me actually find the year Burning came out. We are not ter- talking about Bernie Sanders. Bernie what? Sanders came out? Bernie oh, Sanders was Bernie, in prison? Bernie came... Uh, <laughs> you... Okay, so the movie Bernie came out three years after this movie. So it came out in 2011. This movie came out in 2009. Uh, or 2010, depending on... We're just... Okay, let me start there. So this movie came out in uh, 2010. Bernie came out in 2011. Bernie is about Jack Black playing a gay murderer in Texas. This movie is about a gay con man in Texas... Was was there just like a trend of sorry? Ale- Bernie was allegedly gay. Um, was there like a a trend of um, just gay criminal movie, gay criminal comedy movies that came out around this when time? When did Nine Dead Gay Guys come out? <laughs> that was, I think that was like early two thousands, late nineties. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was about to say like, yeah, it kind of seems like it. <laughs> um, but Bernie was kind of the same. It, I, I would say Bernie has a, a similar vibe, but Bernie also had like the documentary slash mockumentary like elements for it, whereas yeah. this one was more like a straight narrative. Um, and Bernie Sanders, no, um, <laughs> who Wait, came Bernie out Sanders by the way? <laughs> Bernie Sanders did not come out, although he was arrested. So if he had come out, then he would also be another arrested gay who had a movie made about them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
congratulations to Bernie. Oh, Sanders. Party Monster. <laughs> party Monster. Th- party Monster, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Murderous Gays, the movies. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but since this was made about real people, do you think that the movie respects that is based on... Uh, do you think it respects those it's based on with its performances? Um, I will well, say, so I was... Reading an interview, or, or yeah, an, an interview with the actual Philip Morris, and in the course of the interview, he talks about Ewan McGregor. Ewan, Mac- blah, 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 Ewan McGregor. <laughs> His name is pronounced um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes, he talks about Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Uh, actually, spending time with him to like get to know him and like really study him, essentially, you know, for his role. Um, and how accurate he felt his portrayal of himself was. Um, and how one thing that he really enjoyed about the movie was that uh, Philip Morris is painted as a victim. Um, because, spoiler alert, uh, as happens in the movie, Philip, the real Philip Morris did end up spending time in prison for the tax fraud that Stephen Russell committed um, towards the end of the movie that he got arrested for because uh, he had opened accounts in his name. And Philip Morris says, says to this day that he was not involved in that. Um, so, yeah, I would say that it did. So so you, you would say that Ewan McGregor kind of being a boring kept boy is an accurate representation based off the I actual mean, as far- Philip Morris. <laughs> As a, apparently, as far as what Philip Morris, the real person, said, so who am I to I, <laughs> like? I, I read yeah. it. I read a, really... I read an article by a, a Stephen with the Houston Chronicle about like things that he felt the movie didn't get right. So uh, I don't think he's as satisfied as Philip Morris, but he's seemed yeah, kind but of. He also he... comes off a bit like a narcissistic sociopath. So I'm gonna. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just saying for the sake yeah. of, you know. <laughs> it's really nice that as much pain as they took to really get the portrayals down and as accurate as possible, that this movie still has such, uh, like, a fictional quality to it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had told me... If I had not known going into this movie that it was based on a real story, I probably would not have guessed. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. This seems like it's made up. Like, like this guy just goes and, like, basically, like, does TV, like, lawyer impression and, uh, and, like, you know, wins a case. Just no, like exactly. Talking it's people, like, like it's like uh, it's like catch me if you can. But he didn't even take the time to actually pass the bar first. And here's Do the thing, th- too. So, reading, sorry, just reading the interview with the actual Philip Morris. Like he, it goes deeper. Like the the guy literally, like <laughs> in real life, Stephen Russell, like straight up impersonated people through the prison, like, while he was still in jail, to keep Philip Morris in prison longer so that they would be in prison together. <laughs> like, the guy smooth-talked his way into, like, conning people, essentially. Like, crazy. It's, like, stuff that you would only think about would happen in a movie, but, like, no, actually, it happens in real life. <laughs> well, now that you bring that up, yeah, there 
things are going to be omitted in movies, you know, for time and right. I mean, this movie's pacing, they probably could have included it to speed things up just a little bit. Um, but do you feel like uh with this being primarily a comedy, do you think that they somewhat watered down or fictionalized uh some of the actions that Stephen took to make them more comedic and less sort of like horrifying you know i could see that being a legit direction that they chose to take Mm -hmm. because they could have gone like full eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and had like you know serious jim carrey and it feels like they wanted a little bit of that because it is a serious story about serious subject matter but at the same time they also kind of wanted that kind of Jim Carrey edge. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know if Eternal they, Sunshine they came they out. Decide, they couldn't decide which way they wanted to lean, so they shot for somewhere in the middle. Well, and I think, too, like, sometimes with some stories like that that are just so fucking out there, like, that like, you just have to laugh, right? Like... It it seems like after reading that interview with like Philip Morris, like it seems like he kind of has that take on it. Obviously, like given that he thinks that the movie did do his story justice, like on his end, where it's like some things are just so fucking out there, and like they're so unbelievable that you're just like you have to fucking laugh, right? It yeah. like my mom going off to Austria and marrying a Nazi. It's like so. Like, it's traumatic, but also at the same time, it's so fucking out there that you're just like, <laughs> it's, it becomes comedy, you know what I mean? And, like, I know before we started recording, I said, like, I, you know, they kind of, like, sympathize or whatever, but I take that back, that opinion back, and, like, yeah, like, he still comes off, like, looking like a piece of shit. It's just that the things he did are so out there that you just have to laugh. Because <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> not like he did them to you. <laughs> um, I don't... I, like... It's, it's weird because, like, I know they were going for more, like... They were... This movie has a very strange tone to me. Because it feels like as much as they wanted... As, as much as Jim Carrey felt like he was more pushing his, you know, serious character-based, like, uh, acting style that he kind of developed later, um, later in his career, um, to get more insight, is more like, uh, instead of, like, the wacky shenanigans he was known for as an early career, more like, after Eternal Sunshine, more so, like, giving a performance to actually, like, try and get inside the head of a character and actually portray them like an actual person versus, like, comedian Jim Carrey. That's Um, why I said this movie was kind of like a happy medium, you know? But I feel like this movie specifically could have used, could have really benefited from comedian Jim Carrey uh, more so than uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Jim Carrey. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought too, like, the way they kind of shifted into, like, the serious part of the movie felt weird to me. Like, you know, like, yes, I like, in the beginning, they, it seemed like they were really trying to lean on the, like, let's just, you know, 
make comedy out of this or whatever, like quirky indie comedy from the 2000s, 2010s. Um, and then, like, they just kind of tried to shove all this, like, serious Jim Carrey into, like, the the second act. And then at the end of the movie in the third act, it was back to, like, comedic Jim Carrey. That pacing felt, like, kind of off to me. <laughs> like, the change in pacing I wasn't a fan of. Yeah, like, like the, the first act, the, like, the first act up to, like, him getting into prison, I thought was fantastic, and I was just, like, glowing with, like, everything that they would do, all these yeah. fantastic camera tricks, all this, like, really great and tight editing, these great setups yeah. and punchlines and everything, and then he, like, gets to prison where, like, the love, where, like, uh, the fascination with uh, Philip Morris starts, and it just, like, slows to a slog, and then it, like, starts to yes. pick up near the end of the second act a little bit when he starts being a con man again. And then it slows down again. And then it, like, kind of picks up, but it never, like, fully... It picks up for, like, one little montage of all the escapes. But then just, like, goes back down again uh, and just, like, goes into a slog. And so it's, like, it's... The pacing is just really frustrating because when yeah. it's when it's high energy and when it acts like you know this like like everyone said like you know sometimes reality is stranger than fiction you know sometimes yeah. you just gotta laugh at how weird things go you know like when it's portraying that like you know you were adopted. <laughs> We chose you. We paid like five hundred dollars or whatever in a in a paper bag, like all like all of that, and you know even like even just like the narration is like really great, and then it just like it just it just feels like half of the movie is really great and portrays the story in a way where it's entertaining but it's still mm -hmm. like impactful as far as like what you're seeing because it's like i don't think anyone's gonna watch this movie and go huh i'm gonna i'm gonna commit insurance fraud that seems fun you know uh <laughs> but like it's just a shame because i think the main thing for me is that i just don't and i want this really bad i want a gay movie with jim carrey and ewan mcgregor doing it and i, I don't i think they kiss maybe once in this movie and, and they just don't <laughs> really they don't really have any of that you know they don't feel like you know a couple a, 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 they don't feel like a love story that deserves that one person feels so much love that they're compelled to try and escape from prison repeatedly just to get another shot at them. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Actually, have y'all seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> I no. Think, <laughs> I think Jim Carrey's character, I think the Stephen Russell character should have been written a little more like the character, like... I can't remember her name right now, but, like, the, the protagonist and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, like, Rebecca. Yeah. Where, like, she just has this fucking obsessive, like, hyper-obsessive personality, and, like... Wait, wait. She uh, fucking... I, I want us to stop right here. Ro? 
you're a theater kid and you haven't seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> I think this okay, is the more important in my, thing. In my defense, <laughs> nobody in my life has ever walked up to me and been like, Hey, Ro, wanna watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? <laughs> like, it's not like I went out of my way or like anybody told me that all of a sudden in order to be a card carrying gay I had to see crazy ex-girlfriend no 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 not a gay not a card carrying gay a card carrying theater kid theater kid yes. okay in that case I blame it on every single person I went to college with <laughs> Crazy ex, crazy ex girlfriend is a te- four years of theater school and nobody told me it was required watching. I'm furious. <laughs> crazy ex girlfriend. It was a CW show that ran for I think four seasons, and every episode had about like three songs, uh, like with full choreography and stuff. And they had like uh, one of Lynn M- 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 Miranda's. Uh, Lynn <laughs> Manuel Miranda's uh, uh, like proteges in there. It had it had um, uh, uh, Vincent Rodriguez, who is just like amazingly hot and sexy when he dances and sings. Um, and I always and it has Val as just like the most sarcastic neighbor slash friend you will ever have. And it also has like really positive depictions of bisexuality, of mm-hmm. mental illness. Yeah. Oh, um, for real. And it's on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> and basically what we're saying is that you need to watch it. This is your assignment. Okay, okay. Week, what I'm what I'm hearing <laughs> is Gay Akapod viewing party. That's what I'm hearing. I'd be up uh, for it. Actually, I think NATO is close enough now, living <laughs> to justify a road trip up to Denver. So that wow, wait, it just docks NATO on our podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, thank you. You can edit it out. We can edit it out. I'm too lazy for that. I'm too lazy for we that. We can put a we can put a little bleep over it. <laughs> now wait, wait, NATO's wait. in. He's just going to put all of our audio in as is. He's not even going to edit out, like, ambient noise or, like, other bullshit. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with... documentary-style podcasting right here. I, I completely agree with you. Like, I think this could have used more crazy ex-girlfriend. In fact, now that I think about it, why couldn't this have been a musical? I'm serious. Oh, my God. Actually, though, yes, this would have been a great Okay, musical. okay, wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. Now we're talking, like, full-on gay echo, like, let's write a whole-ass new movie mode. Yes, yes, yes. Throw away all the notes I have. Throw away all the notes. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm off script. My phone has died at this point. Let's do it. Let's go for it. (laughs) Oh, y'all think I'm joking, but I'm serious. I'm about to be a million. No, I'm serious, too. Let's fucking go. And be like, okay, I love you, Philip Morris, the musical. Let's go. What do we need? I I have an active Celtex uh, subscription. I was about to say prescription, but you know what I mean. Uh, Let's fucking go. Collab. Kawaii. Yeah, no, I'm totally down. <laughs> no, as but... many times as we've made this joke on the podcast, I'm like 100% serious right now. 
<laughs> but no, I think that that's the thing that could have actually balances a lot better is turning it into a musical because yeah, you it, have it you have the more theater. You have like the Fosse rule of like, you know, musical numbers have to be high energy and stuff like that. And that mm-hmm. can balance out the more subtle, uh less energetic parts that are more romantic right. and more about building the characters and their because, lives. So musicals too, they I think the pacing issue that I have personally would have been fixed if this was a musical, right? Because musicals usually have, like, all this high-energy shit going on, and then in, like, the second, third act, you always have something super depressing where you're like, I hate everything and I want to cry right now. Right. And that's when you have, like, your little ballad song, like, oh, Stephen Russell put me in jail. Boo-hoo. And also, like, (laughs) isn't it just musical practice to like fix all of your pacing mu- like pacing issues with the with the music number anyway yeah get, yeah, the, exactly. get the guy behind it'll the be reefer madness and heathers to like just do his stuff and it'll be great oh my god yes <laughs> starring starring uh kristen bell kristen bell as the supportive <laughs> wife Oh my god! Let's, so, let's let's talk let's talk about the actual character for a second. We'll come back to this, but we let's talk about let's let's remember that we did get a movie technically, I guess. Um, so probably the best character in the movie is his is oh, his no wife, doubt. who Absolutely. is Jesus loving, extremely supportive. And just wants him to be happy, but also understands that he is just not going to change at all. <laughs> Played by Leslie Mann, by the way, who is like, uh, amazing already. A fucking sweet angel. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite. Uh, I think my favorite part is when like he's been caught and he calls her from his uh, car on the way yes! home, and he's oh, absolutely. <laughs> to tell her Say that, that he's. Go- that he's going to be destroying like all his numbers and stuff and she's like on the lamb again <laughs> she's just like he's just like you know me too well <laughs> that is yes, the like, kind of relationship so well, that I want in my fucking life that is who I want in my life just there like a, an unabashedly supportive person that's like oh you're making dumb decisions again well Cool, I'm here to talk. <laughs> this is why you need to get married and divorced at least once in before you find your uh, forever relationship. It's so that you can have that. Um, right. You need a, you need an ex first wife who is just like down to clown. <laughs> I think we already mentioned that Phil Morris... Over the phone! Over the phone! <laughs> I think that we already kind of, like, discussed that Philip Morris is pretty much just a cat boy. Uh, yes. Who gets very... Ang- well, well, that's just a cat boy. Um, how would you describe Stephen? Besides, you know, the obvious, like, con man that we've given him um an excellent candidate for therapy (laughs) yeah no kidding i mean he's honestly like even even divorcing him from what i've read of the actual stephen russell uh that's his last name right anyways um he's he's just kind of like a fucking sociopath like he just does whatever he needs to do to make money and like 
doesn't think twice about it. So. And that, I guess that, at least he doesn't, like, directly hurt anybody, like, stealing identities or anything. But, like, he does hurt the people around him, you know? Um, right. Like, and he just, like, doesn't have any problem lying to anybody about anything. Like, even Philip Morris at the end of the yeah. movie was like, I don't even know you. Because our whole relationship was based on lies. Right. So, like, th- is there any part of you that's genuine? Like, that... Well, he also I says feel that... like, is a big part of his character as well. He also goes on to say... The, I think the most impactful part of sort of, like, that back... Or that, like, uh, speech to Stephen was him also saying, I don't think you know who you are either. Right. Yeah. So yeah. then he fakes dying of AIDS to go on, like, a vision quest or what? I don't know. That's like. who he is. Um, <laughs> I think... I think... Amelia kind of brought it up. Um, here's... Here's something. Do you think the justification that he's doing, like, I love you, Philip Morris, is kind of, you know, it's the name of the movie. It's a justification for, you know, him escaping repeatedly to try and make things up or make things up, but like make up with Philip Morris for his, you know, for getting him in trouble and almost sending him back to jail and then sending him back to jail. Um, Do you think that... that maybe could, if he, if he is like an actual like narcissist, he's just using that as an excuse for his actions. Yes, and I mean maybe he really believes it. I don't know, but like, I and I know I keep going back to like the original, like the actual people because I read interviews with them. Um, but like he also talks about this. Like Stephen Russell talks about this in an article that I was reading, and like how. It's good that he's in solitary confinement now because everything he did as far as, like, conning people was always because he was, like, in love with somebody and wanting to, like, keep them around, right? Um, I don't think that excuses it, and I think he is still a bad person. But, like, yeah, I'm sure in, in his head and in the movie, like, that that is his justification and that's what it is. Like... <laughs> So do you think that he actually did love Philip Morris? Oh yeah, in his own way. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Yeah. But like the problem is not that he loves Philip Morris. <clears throat> the problem is that he's hiding behind that and using it as an excuse to yeah. justify his right. shitty behavior. I completely agree with that. <laughs> um <laughs> So, uh, um, we talked a lot about pacing, and I think another thing that kind of, uh, falters for me with this movie is the jokes that aren't specific to Stephen's, or to Stephen being a con man. Especially for something that leans a lot harder on comedy than, say, Big Eyes. Uh, um, so, uh, what, one example I have is the telephone example. So y'all know the game telephone. You played as a kid, you know, you say one thing, you say one thing into someone's ear and they say something into another person's ear and it changes. I played that as an adult too. So yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's very familiar. For, for our viewers who don't know what a telephone is, because all they've known is the, is the VR metaverse of Facebook. Um, so uh, in, this, in this movie, <laughs> in this movie, they do a telephone joke uh, where Stephen tells a secretary uh, this uh, one joke about, like, um, a lawyer, like, uh, saying that he's going to charge him, like, a million dollars but they get like three questions and stuff like that and so then they go on to another one and we hear the joke that kind of mutated with Steven in the background and then we hear it again from his from uh i think it was his boss and then we hear it again from another one another person and then i think we hear one final time from like someone and it's become like really racist and offensive um anti-semitic uh and like it's just not paced well and it's not like it's too much because like they don't tell just like the hey have you heard this one so a lawyer says da 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 and then cut to the next one it's like they go through like about half the joke for each one and it just kind of like if they had just like stuck to like the very first thing, we would have connected w like what it was doing with the mutation, and it would have like sped things up to get to the actual punchline, which is during all of this, Stephen was actually using that as a distraction to steal something, which was like the signature of his boss, so that he could commit more fraud. And so that's yeah, like I my problem like with a lot whole, of the jokes. The whole you Sam bit. I guess you would call, what, act two, act two and a half, um, was honestly my least favorite part of the movie, and a lot of it had to do... I feel like the first time I watched this movie, uh, around that part was where I tuned out and, like, just stopped watching. Yeah, um, I agree. And I feel like s some of it has to do with the pacing. Some of it has to do with, like, the tastelessness of how that joke ended up. Which, by the way, like... <laughs> like, not a good look. <laughs> not in 2009. Not now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, even watching it again this time, I felt like that whole part of the movie was a bit poorly paced, and it didn't have, like, the comedic drive and energy that the rest of the movie had. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. And this movie just, like, kind of barely comes in at, like, 96 minutes, I think. Wait, uh, really? Yeah. So, it feels almost like just padding for a lot of it. Like, a lot of the, like, slower jokes that kind of overstay their welcome for me, it just feels like they're there for padding, and I don't like oh, that. You're right. Because... Wow. Like, like yeah. they wanted to get it up to feature length and just needed, like, extra, like, you know, nonsense. You Why not know, go the really Master the of Disguise route, you know, and just have it, like, 60 minutes with, like, 30 minutes of outtakes over the credits? Well, I was going to say, like, another thing they could have done is actually had some character development. You know, like, oh, they could have... Oh, God forbid we put character <laughs> development in a movie. <laughs> I would have, personally, would have loved to see more of Philip Morris, like, being more than just, like, a kept boy. Personally. Like, 
his life before. Instead of like Philip Morris just like telling him in the prison what the, what he was doing before prison, like maybe my goodness, a imagine, couple of scenes like showing us. <laughs> imagine this movie, but instead of following Steve, <gasps> what's his last name? No, Russell. Russ, Russell. Imagine this movie. No, but no, instead no, of following wait, wait. Steve Russell's side of the story, imagine this movie completely <laughs> from Philip Morris's point of view. Oh, no, that would have no, been no, no, so no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I got it, I got it, I got it. Okay, so Stephen goes back to jail, right? You know, and so then the cell block tango starts. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's Philip Morris. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of singing about murder, he's just singing about tax fraud. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't do tax fraud. What, is, what was it? Credit fraud? Insurance fraud? Something. I think it was Steve embezzlement. It, I think it was just good old fashioned. No, embezzlement was the second time. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Embezzlement was the second time. The first time he was in for like insurance fraud. So no, that was, was Stephen. No, Stephen was for insurance fraud because he said insurance fraud, and he's like, no, not that. And he's like, oh no, I that's me. I don't remember what Philip was in for. for mm. Oh, I don't know. Really because say... he kept a rental car for too long. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Theft of service. I would have loved to see a scene. I would have loved to see a scene of Philip Morris getting arrested. I think that actually would have been really interesting is would be to see like Philip Morris arrested for his original crime of keeping a rental car too long versus Stephen Russell getting arrested the first time that we see it and how they act so differently from one another. Just just close right. your eyes. Just close your eyes. Pop, six, squish, uh-uh, Cicero, rental car. <laughs> <laughs> just the best movie ever. <laughs> just fix Chicago, it. but it's And then they're like, you sent him away for keeping a rental car too long? And all the cops are like snapping. He had it coming. He had it coming. <laughs> the U.S. prison system is a sham. <laughs> we got private prisons. And this guy's a solitary just for committing some insurance fraud. There we go. I got this. (laughs) (laughs) This musical is writing itself. (laughs) And you have a parody if you just change one word of one song. (laughs) Look, we can work work together and change as much as like three or five words. I believe in us. Um, I, I would I would actually like to see a lot more of Philip Morris, like while Stephen is doing his second fraud, or I guess like you know his fraud post jail that isn't the lawyer stuff, because like if Stephen's if real Stephen's excuse is that he was doing this so that people wouldn't leave him, kind of like it could be little things like he sees. Uh, he sees Philip Morris getting kind of, you know, bored with things, so he tries to figure out how to, like, liven up things. So then he gives him the car, you know, the the matching cars and stuff like that. You know, because what we get right now is just, like, you know, S- Stephen's off doing the con thing, and he goes back home, and Philip's just kind of there, eating chocolate yeah. or whatever. 
and not really doing anything. We don't really just being an Aryan twink. I would have been I would have been more than okay with this being like a two hour long movie if they just showed more of Philip Morris like being a person because you know and like they imply this and kind of show it like you know when he's water watering like the flowers or whatever where he's like you know where are you getting all this money like or he's essentially questioning him i would have loved to see like actually just like philip morris by himself like maybe i don't know like looking through files or just whatever you know like anything that just kind of builds up that tension and like shows that Everything isn't necessarily, like, okay on his end. Because all we really get is just Philip Morris trying to, you know, make things... Or, not sorry, Philip Morris. Stephen Russell trying to make things look like everything's good and, like, all his money is legitimate or whatever and, like, spending way too much money. But we don't really see enough of, like, Philip Morris's reactions to, like, things. Yeah, Plus, sneaking suspicions would make an excellent name for a musical theater song. Yes! Oh my god, he's doing a Google search. <laughs> oh! I love this. <laughs> I think the other thing is just like, it. it's weird that we spend a, a lot of time with the couple, but they don't really... Um, they don't really have like, you know... Like we said before, they don't really have, like, a kind of chemistry. They aren't, like, Boris and Natasha when it comes to, like... No. You know. Yeah. It's just, like... It's just... It's very weird that for a movie literally about one of the greatest conmen who escaped from prison, some, like, I think... He doesn't really have a lot of definition. If you look at another movie, which we'll be watching later this season, called... Uh, a liar's a liar's autobiography, um, which is about Graham Chapman of Monty Python. He does a lot about an unreliable narrator, and I think that could have really an unreliable narrator, which they kind of have in here, but it's more just like they. It's an unreliable narrator who corrects himself, and I'm not really a fan of that. Steven is too honest to the camera to be a really like unreliable narrator. Like especially yeah. when it comes especially when it comes to like his early life, I wanted more like ambiguity just to like maybe he like like maybe he's like Cusco and trying to exp- you know explain off his actions even though he's not really explaining off his actions kind of thing. Um but it, it felt like there could have been more lies, especially for a movie about a con man, and that might have increased the entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I've, ne- I've never known an honest con man. Um, <laughs> until now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, well, um, besides the musical uh, that we're making based off this movie, uh, once we get rich. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to be rich to do this. We're going to make a B-movie musical. I don't care. We're going to do this. The Blonde and the Con. Besides, 
they made Catch Me If You Can into a musical, and this is basically just gay Catch Me If You Can. I have your title for you. It's The Blonde and the Con. <laughs> that's the that's the um that's the act one finishing number. <laughs> I love that. Oh my god, that's when they meet in prison and he says he's a lawyer. No, and they're the, in the no, library. <laughs> no, that's this is when this is when they're dancing in the cell right before Stephen gets released. You're right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's sum up this film. Uh Amelia did this film inspire a new way for you to escape from prison or make you want to die in Miami? I would never want to die in Miami. That sounds like a fate worse than death, actually. So <laughs> prison break all day long. Um, but no, for real. I mean, this this movie is great. I like, it, despite the pacing issues I have with it and stuff, like it is a fun, quirky, like indie comedy from the 2010s and... I like those comedies, so I recommend it. <laughs> if you can just fast forward uh, through the second act. Yeah. That uh, Ro, Ro yes. did this movie yes. prove... <laughs> this movie <laughs> proved to you that true love can come from anywhere or make you think you could commit tax fraud better than Steven? You know, as far as crime movies go this definitely isn't the worst am i gonna watch it again not really anytime soon but like is it a bad movie absolutely not go ahead give it a watch <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway that's what we think but if you also <laughs> also as a side note to nato patty griffin wrote a whole ass song called don't let me die in florida <laughs> <laughs> and if that's not a mood <laughs> I don't know what is a mood uh, anyway that's what we think If you've, but if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Gaykapod that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D while you're there why not suggest a movie for so watch in the future we're always looking for new suggestions and we can't wait to bro you can just wait <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to experience more movies and YouTube links with you. I just want to say, before we go, I just want to say nobody in fucking Houston calls it the Gulf Freeway. It's 45. That was a bone I had to pick with the whole movie. <laughs> I'm Edo Kitch reminding you that breaking my heart is the worst crime you can do. Later. <laughs> Fake-ass Texas beef. Fake-ass Texas beef. <laughs> it's 45! It's 45! <laughs> <laughs>